Hi, Erin. How are you? I'm wonderful. And you are so organized. Priyanka double-checked when the link was coming through. She sent me back a confirmation email. This is a woman who was on top of it with, with technology. And it's not surprising because she runs her own company and she brings up two feminist boys as well. Priyanka Raha, welcome. She is the founder and genius behind Pop Smart Kids. And I can't wait to talk about it. Thank you so much, Erin. I'm so glad uh, we could make this happen and I'm super thrilled to be here. Me too. I've wanted to connect with you for ages. I met Priyanka through the F-Bomb Breakfast Club, which has been a mainstay of uh, my community. It's been my mainstay over the last five years and it's now evolving into another chapter. But Priyanka has really given so much to that community. So it's I'm so pleased we're connecting. F-Bomb will be missed. That is absolutely true. It's kind of that, uh, you know, that bittersweet moment where I'm so glad that it happened, but I'm also so sad that it's kind of coming to a, an end. Um, but I will say this, that um, it has definitely been, and there are so many different communities, but this definitely has been one of those communities which has stayed extremely authentic. The conversations have been so real. The space that has been created um, prior to the pandemic in a physical uh, place and during the pandemic at a, on a virtual platform. Nevertheless, the space has always been um, so, so inviting, collaborating, and um, it definitely will be missed. And see, this is the way I actually met you and we were able to make this happen. I have made great friends through this community. And if bomb will evolve, uh, if you are a founder, a woman founder, do jump onto F-Bomb Breakfast Club. We're, we're recording this in November. Uh, the online community will be available for another hour, but uh, uh, sorry, another hour, <laughs> another month. But do uh, go to your search engines because uh, you will tap into an incredible community of women. But I, I, I segued. I want to talk about Priyanka because she's a strategist, a technologist, I can't pronounce that, a technologist, an entrepreneur, a speaker, and a blogger. And she's passionate about raising tech-ready citizens and creating opportunities with technology. Would you tell us about Pop Smart Kids and about your bold mission? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for this glorious introduction. Um, you're too kind, Erin. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, absolutely. I, have, I started my career as a software engineer, and I absolutely believe that technology has the power if harnessed correctly, has the power to solve uh, the most challenging problems that the world faces today. But at the same time, when I, when I had both my um, children, both, both of them are boys, and when they started to get their time with technology, um, I started to feel this fear of the, the apps, the um, exposure that they were getting to screen time ended up being all about consuming and not so much about creating. And I started to question that we are not raising kids in a way that they are ready to use technology in a way to create things, to make changes. And that's sort of where I started uh, thinking about what can I do to make that happen? And that's where Pop Smart Kids was born. And a lot of the work that I do through this company really is to educate and bring awareness to healthy time. I do not believe in 
saying no to screen time. I believe in integrating it in a, in a meaningful way in our family life. Um, so another way of kind of bringing that into fruition is also being able to create things using technology. And that has led me to uh, create this app, which is available today on Android and uh, iTunes on the Apple Store. It's called Pop Smart Write. And you, in fact, use technology to tell stories, not just through text, but also images and by drawing. So I always feel like stories are what binds us all. And what better way to kind of tell our children that this is technology and you are really using it to share stories. So th th there it is. <laughs> and it's fantastic. Uh I can already think of so many, uh, so many parents that that I'm going to be telling about this. Uh, where did the name come from, Pop Smart? Oh yeah, there was there was definitely a creative process to that. We were, uh, I was sitting there and brainstorming, and I think at somewhere I do have like a list of names I came up with, but I really kind of wanted it to be fun, so I definitely wanted to bring in like that pop. Um, idea to it, uh, almost like a pop culture. Um, but I also wanted it to be smart because no matter where you are, what stage your kids are in, every every parent aspires their kids to be smart. And they are, they're all smart. I do strongly believe that they're all smart. They're all just smart in different ways. So I definitely wanted to bring up that. And I also wanted a name that someone kind of hears and immediately the picture that it paints is that, oh, this is about kids. And that's what this is about. So that's where the kids, I really wanted that kid. So that kind of combined together and Pop Smart Kids. So um, yeah, that's that's the name. <laughs> Brilliant. And Priyanka has the most adorable logo of an elephant. So, yes. so go to popsmartkids.com, uh, which will take you through to a, a great site, which tells you all about the products. There's, we're going to be talking about those because there's everything from camps through the demo videos. But I have to ask, why the orange elephant? Because it's super cute. Where, where did the orange elephant come from? Oh, yes. I, I, love, um, I love animals and just kind of, um, you know, I, I read a lot with my kids and just reading with them about animals, um, kind of talking to them about the different characteristics of different animals. But I think there's a, the, the reason I chose the elephant is like, if you look at the animal kingdom, the elephant is, is a species who are very much like humans. They raise their children in herds, they, they mourn, they are always moving together, they are, um, they kind of pass on in a way. They don't have the language that we have, but they have their own language to pass on kind of the history, which is where the, the story element comes uh, comes from. And um, yeah, so that's, that's where it is. Um, that's where the elephant comes from. And there is actually an entire article that I wrote about, which um, it's, it's on the blog, but it also speaks to why the elephant kind of brings into light the characteristics of the elephants that matches with uh, what we are trying to build with this company. <laughs> Brilliant. 
Priyanka helps children reimagine and parents reimagine digital playtime, which is amazing. And if you jump on her website under the creators section, it's not quite what you would what you you might think the creators are Priyanka, but no, and her team, but no. The creators are these young contributors who are writing these stories using her app. And I'm not seeing a lot about animals, but I am seeing one about aliens. I'm seeing one about zombies eating humans. I mean, these are with, with illustrations that go along with them. So the app not only helps uh, children create stories, but it seems like there's, there's an illustration component there as well. Oh, absolutely. I actually have a great, um, great story about um, the kid who wrote the, the zombie story. So this is a kid who is twice exceptional and he loves telling and sharing stories, but not so great with writing them down. Um, and when, so this is the story that came out of um, one of our camps where this kid was participating. And I could relate to that because I have two boys. My younger one is very, has very similar aptitude towards like writing stories. He always draws and he, he seldom wants to, his, he will add text, but it won't be as long or as many sentences. So now what happened with this kid who was part of the camp who was writing the zombie story was that he was very excited because all this while he was thinking about story being just text, text, text. And so he just, he instead of, so you will see in that story that the text is very minimal, but there are also this like great illustration and he enjoyed telling the story through illustration. So there is absolutely a, a place for um, not just telling the story through text, but illustration. Because even though kids, um, let's say, for example, a kid who loves writing as well, kind of putting that image up front helps you form some of those um, ideas in your head. Um, so you can actually go around and take your um, tablet, whether it's the Android or iPad, and just take pictures of whatever it is you're doing. Maybe you had a great family photo together and you can take that picture and you can annotate on top of it and create uh, a story. You can also draw just from a whiteboard and paint and make your own creation. I'm seeing a whole future generation of marketers, cinematographers, authors, because everything, all human communication is based on story. I mean, history is, is all about stories. Our conversations all are around stories. And, and for children that are, I love what you said, twice exceptional, children that perhaps might not relate to traditional schooling or traditional ways of telling stories. Would you tell me what you mean by twice exceptional? That's such a beautiful phrase. Yes, that is actually a phrase that I learned in my research a few years back when I was trying to learn about the education space. I know my journey into education has been very organic um, just through my kids. Um, but uh, this is a phrase that is used for kids who might not, like exactly what you said, Erin, it's just like not, uh, may not follow the traditional curriculum based very well. They might not get the traditional A's, but they are super exceptional in just one field. And so, the way to nurture these kids, and this is something that um, lately teachers are getting aware of the entire education system. We're not there yet, 
to identify this or align our education system with this, but we are getting there. There is definitely more awareness. So we are calling these kids, let's say, for example, someone who um, may not, maybe very, uh, very introvert or just not someone who will be the kid who will raise their hand to speak out the first. But you give that kid a puzzle and you will see um, them solve the puzzle in like five seconds. So, so that's what twice exceptional is. It's like in one particular field, these kids are so, so amazing. And it is upon us as a civilization to identify that. So that's why we need that awareness. And I'm very, I try to learn about this. Um, so that's where it's upon us to kind of identify and not force them to follow the traditional educational curriculum, but also support them and nurture them so we can actually, um, you know, inspire them uh, to operate them in their zone of genius. Educational diversity, educational inclusivity. And we, we are so much more aware of it now. I always used to get marked down on my stories. I've written all my life and I'm very good at it. And I'd get marked down because of my handwriting was so bad because I, I simply had trouble that that was, I didn't, that was something I wasn't very skilled at. I, and I never learned to type because that wasn't something that was offered when I was at school. Uh, on the path that uh, my, my my education was steered towards. So even now I will dictate because I'm still not that comfortable with handwriting or typing. I'll dictate stories. It's, it's no, that's perfect. Yeah, there's um, many different yeah. ways that we can do things now. How wonderful that your app makes that available. Uh, would you tell us a little bit about uh, with the with the sorry about uh, you have these wonderful products um i got distracted by the elephant you also no, no. Oh, it's a good thing to be distracted uh, uh, with my, my mind my mind wandered off uh pop smart right but also pop smart trivia tell me more about that oh yes um so the story behind pop smart trivia is just like I mean, I am always about stories, right? So the story behind Postmark Trivia is just, um, I find it very fascinating because it was not something that was quite planned. Um, <laughs> we launched Popsmart, right, which is essentially our flagship product. And it was, uh, it took, we spent quite a bit of time in designing that, developing that. So it took us some time to really get that product in the hands of teachers and parents. Uh, we did a, uh, beta launch and then finally when we put the product in the market the pandemic hit like literally that's just uh how my luck works so we launched it in march and the school shut down in march so all of the the verbal um kind of word of mouth promises that we had to launch these in classrooms didn't work and at this time we also have this team of developers um a, a ui design ux designer who, um, you know, they, they, are, they are all geared up to actually do these focus groups and actually learn from the users which features they like, which they don't, so they can actually um, develop the features and uh, make, make changes. But none of that happened. So we kept, so as a, you know, there's, there's this um, idea of like, if you keep working, it doesn't, bring you down um so at one point the entire team was feeling like oh we're not 
there's nothing to do and that wasn't a good place uh for for any team to kind of work together so we started thinking about like okay in the meantime what can we do so we just um the the designer uh along with the designer and the dev developing team developer team we came up with this pop smart trivia let's develop this so it was something that was just done in a very quick two months um developing cycle and we just said like okay we'll we'll get this out in the market, but it's also such a fun product because you can play uh, by yourself. You can play with your families. And I, I believe we have some close to 4,000 questions right now in that question bank. So it just throws uh, questions to you uh, from different fields like geography, uh, mythology, and uh, there are three levels, easy, um, medium, and hard questions, and they're just really fun. And then it tells you how many you um, answered correctly and shows you the correct answer. Um, it's just one of those really fun, quick games. Um, and I always say, like, these are the games that you play when you're waiting for your uh, waiting for your bus or you are waiting for your turn at a restaurant, you can just pull it up and play and don't notice the time go by. This is fantastic. I'm definitely, I, I have a 10 year old uh, nephew in New Zealand and he grew up communicating with me digitally because I've always lived overseas. So he, he automatically, we have a, a very strong virtual and in-person relationship and he Skypes all the time and we play games together online. Uh, it seems to be Roblox at the moment, but I'm so looking forward to playing this Pop Smart trivia with him. Please do, and do let me know how he likes it and how you like it. So here is some, you brought up something, and this is something always comes up in our conversation, is that you brought up something, it's like this technology is so great that you and your nephew have this bond and this connection, and this wasn't possible. You know, I grew up in a in a in a time when, we had to like sit down in a place and really call my grandmother on a phone that had a cord, but things are so different now. My kids actually talk to my, my parents over, um, over Zoom, WhatsApp video, and it's just like so fantastic. So I just love how technology in a way, if kind of used properly, it's you know, keeping these connections alive. And for Noah, it's seamless. He doesn't distinguish between being with me in person and being with me online. To him, it's still, he's, he still feels my presence. We still have a connection. We still communicate. For him, it really is a completely seamless experience. Yes, I have seen that just because the, I think the next generation, for me, there is so much that I have to learn and there, there are always changes in the tech world that is happening that I have to teach myself and kind of you know, when when phones came up, smartphones and everything else, kind of reading email in a three inch screen, all of that <laughs> is a learning process. Um, but for the kids, that's the world they're growing up in. So you're absolutely correct when you say like it's seamless for them. Yeah, he's, he's definitely a digital native and digital citizenship. Tell me more about that. Yes, love to. I just love the idea of, you know, when um, when we talk about being a good citizen, we talk about are you recycling or are you being kind to others? Are you saying please and thank you? But most of the time you're thinking about these aspects of our behavior in a physical world. So when I um, see you, Erin, in person, am I greeting you well? Am I being grumpy? Am I being nice to you? 
Uh, am I holding the door for you? Things like that. We are constantly teaching our kids and that's great. They need to learn that. But now suddenly we also, and you brought up a term that is very commonly used um, is the digital natives. So this, this generation who are growing up in this world, who are keeping connection with their extended family using Skype or any other virtual platform, they are also being connected to their friends through this medium. And we have seen that happen widely uh, in 2020, of course. There was virtual school, there was virtual um, friend circles that um, students and children formed. But are we making sure that children are being good citizens in the digital world, being kind to one another? One quick data that comes to, and I always love um, like all the survey and the research that is being done in this field, um, and I love data. So one of the data that sh one of the things that data shows us is that um, about seventy percent of young adults in a survey have mentioned that it is easier for them to be unkind in a in a virtual world because they can't see the face. So that I think is a problem that we need to address, not by taking away the digital medium, but by teaching them being a good citizen in the digital world, being kind, because cyberbullying is a problem. So that's what digital citizenship is all about. Yeah, that's fantastic. I know uh, if if you're a child and somebody unfriends you or sends you a, a message via, yes, it's it's devastating. Yep. Just little little interactions that happen every single day between the, them and their friends. It's uh, it's uh, it's yeah, just it's heavy. It's... It, it, it it really is. Uh, not to mention for those who are comparing themselves to, I mean, social media is a whole different topic, which we won't go into today, but that's a huge minefield for parents and for children to, to negotiate and to navigate. Oh, absolutely. It's difficult for us. And I, I know it's a whole another topic, probably will take us an entire day to talk about. It's difficult for us adults to cope with that kind of thing. So it's just really, really important for um us adults to teach the next generation to be good digital citizens. And to keep themselves safe and to understand uh, understand the difference between perhaps a virtual relationship, a real relationship, and just and to learn how to deal with our emotions around that. Uh, what, if, if I may, one of the things I thought was fantastic that you suggested was I mean, I'll often ask Noah about his day, but ask him about his online day. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And it is it is hard, I think, to also know what to look for, the, the signs. But if we kind of think about it, it's not very different from from bullying that happens on the on the school field, right? So when kids are very, very little, like they're four or five years old, you always have an adult kind of constantly watching them. But as they grow up, it's there is a lot of unsupervised time that kids spend with each other when no one is watching. So I think that I think about that online kind of conversation, the interaction that kids are having, having is uh, very similar to being in a school field and kind of playing with each other, being kind to each other, throwing a ball at each other and how they're doing it, but without having an adult because 
of course, these are slightly grown up kids and you don't have always have a teacher kind of supervising that. So I, I love that you kind of very explicitly brought idea of asking like, how was your online day? Um, because there's so much that happens there and they, well, I think there are two things. One is they don't know what to look for, like when to feel like this is not something that I should be hearing from other people telling me on chat and also to signs to look for, like, do I know this person? And I'm always telling them, I think we are past the idea of keep your password safe. So that's not all, there's, there's, there's so many aspects and layers to it. The name that I'm seeing on the online chat, is it the real person? Who is the, what am I sharing with them? Am I being careful about um, what I'm telling them? There is this whole idea of also um, emotional um, aspect of responses, right? So I messaged someone, that person did not message me back. And that becomes a whole emotional minefield about like, what is that other person? It might just be that the other person was not online. So that all adds up into being how the online day of, uh, of uh, a young adult or a tween or a teenager kind of goes. Because even as an adult, if you text somebody and you don't get a response, it's so easy to take it personally, whereas in reality, they've dropped their phone in the toilet. So <laughs> it's about managing, managing what you are projecting on people. I love what you said about mentoring, not monitoring. I mean, even little things like I used to get caught at night for reading uh, under my blankets with a torch. But now we're catching kids you know, under the blankets with an online screen talking and we don't always know who they're talking to or what they're doing. Yeah, um, that's absolutely true. So I am a big believer in the idea that taking away screen time entirely doesn't solve the problem. It's the idea of, and I give this example as uh, like crossing the road. So when there is a little kid with you, so let's say you're visiting New Zealand and then your nephew is with you and you're you're standing to cross a road and it's a very, very busy road. There's no way you're going to tell your nephews like, look, buddy, you can never cross this road because it's very dangerous. Instead, what you're going to say is that like, let me teach you the ways and the strategies that you use to cross this very busy road. So you wait for the signal and then you look right, you look left. But when it comes to screen time, I think the there, there definitely is the fear that media brings in. There is also another thing that the technology, the advancement in technology, the revolution that happened in internet has been so fast that our brains are still trying to wrap around like the uh, after effects and the, the learning that the parents have to do. So there's definitely that fear that comes in and our immediate gut reaction is like, oh, take it away, like take, take the technology away. So we kind of jump into monitoring instead of like giving them tools. And uh, that's that's this whole idea is about. So there's a, yeah, this is like one of the things that I, I strongly believe in and is a, is a passion that really started this whole, um, my whole entrepreneurial journey. You can see why Priyanka is such a good keynote speaker. She is available for speaking, by the way. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to circle back to PopSmart Kids, the app, for a minute. 
Well, you mentioned about with COVID, of course, all of a sudden parents were having to be teachers. There was online schooling going on. And with the with the app, uh, it, it also enables children to not only create poetry and stories, but also opinion pieces, science projects, field day reports, personal journals. What a great addition for online learning. Absolutely. And uh, the other thing that we have also seen is um, sharing with your extended family. So for a, for, for a time when we were all stuck inside our houses, we wanted to be able to, uh, you know, last year, I'm hoping that this year over the holidays, people are able to carefully kind of go visit their family. Um, is this no... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's just the time to see your family, but that wasn't happening last year during the holidays. And so one of the things that I was um, talking about is kids can actually write stories and share it. So you can, this app actually allows you to download the entire story as a PDF book format, which you can actually just share using email. Like it's very simple, but also I think sometimes look how simple things can be very very powerful imagine uh, a grandmother like receiving this beautiful story written by um, her grandchildren with images and art and just text um, that's 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 the best gift ever I don't have to imagine uh, Noah's school has, a, has an app where I can log into and see what the school projects are and Every time I get something from him, uh, it's incredibly and utterly meaningful because I'm getting a glimpse into his life. So as someone who's, uh, you know, I, I guess aunts, grandparents living in different countries, it's an incredible gift that you've created for families. Oh, thank you, Erin. That's so kind of you. I uh, hope it helps. Yes, uh, I'm going to be definitely downloading it. Uh, how, you've got two boys yourself. How old are they now? They are 11 and 7. The 11-year-old just started middle school. It's a whole another, um, you know, I, I feel like it's a whole other universe. And, um, yeah, the 7-year-old is in uh, second grade. So they're doing in-person school this year. So I'm super excited. They are excited about it. I bet they're keen to get back to seeing their friends. <laughs> yes. What, way, what age range would you suggest the app is be suited for? I would say... Um, this is best um, for middle uh, for um, elementary school goers and early middle schoolers. The only reason I say that is because um, while we are developing this to bring to um, to be used on a laptop, so you can pull it up and use your keyboards to write. For now, it is available on a tablet, um, both Android and iOS, but it's available on a tablet. So. Our um, user research has shown that kids who kind of have moved past the sixth grade are not so much keen on writing on tablets anymore. Um, so that's the reason I say that this is best suited for at this, at, at, in its current shape and form, it's best suited for elementary school course. That's perfect. I'm going to segue to something completely different. I have no idea how I was going to get clothes into this conversation because I, <laughs> I always put a clothing question in there somewhere. And feel free to talk about whatever you want. But I was thinking about what you said about create over consumption. And I love that. I've, I've, I've worked with compulsive shoppers where I've gently steered them towards Spanish lessons instead of stilettos, uh, having experiences rather than clicking, you know, the because uh, it can be very... 
uh, credit card advertising and things like that is incredibly persuasive. So do you do any online clothes shopping? I do. And uh, let me just begin by saying, Erin, I love your um, methodology and your strategy towards and I love what you're doing. Because it's not just about clothes, it's about how we feel about ourselves. It's a I think the clothes we wear um, has to be has to feel like our second skin. So I, I'm just really grateful that you're doing what you're doing. Um, but um, I do online shopping. And the reason I do online shopping is, um, and I did online shopping even before the entire pandemic thing. Um, but um, I'm also very petite, um, so I'm five feet tall. People who have seen me know that. Um, and it's really hard to find, again, like this is mainstream, anything is not built for diverse people. <laughs> it's, it's not inclusive, uh, no matter what field you're in. So when I go to buy clothes, I love something. And then I was like, oh, these pants are too long. And oh, can do you have this in petite? No, we don't. We have it uh, in our online shopping. Uh, go to our website. I'm like, okay. So I do have certain uh, brands that I have tried on and I love them. So I, I know what will fit me. So I don't have to buy in return and buy in return. Um, so yes, I do online shopping. So. I'm, I'm five foot one and three quarters. So I live at my tailors. I'm constantly <laughs> getting things taken up. Can you recommend any particular brands for petite, for petite women off the top of your head? Yes, I love and I feel fell in love with this one um so it's new york and comp company they don't have shops here i used to live on the east coast um prior to moving and moving to seattle so i used to actually go to their um stores there and um a lot of the stores um i lived in philadelphia and then i lived in um tennessee and virginia so there they had lots of stores and i was able to get options but new york and company does have pants that really really fit well i am writing down that name i want to talk to you about thrive global and the dotty rose foundation but before that i noticed you have some great blogs around six ways to avoid fatigue from online learning seven ways to encourage writing uh, go to uh, pop smart kids and look at the blog can you maybe give us one tip one way to encourage writing in your children Yes, absolutely. Um, so one thing that comes uh, off the top of my head is like, don't always think about writing as something that needs to be done, like sitting down and pick out like a, a curriculum based topic. And I know this is done in schools, and that's great. But how you can really get kids to fall in love with writing is to um, just give them something that is activity-based. Um, and I love um, to, um, so at home, I love cooking with my kids. So I would actually ask them to write down the, the recipe and in a way that they can actually give it to their friends and say, here, you take this, and you can make this so they can do their illustrations. So they would usually draw and they would have diagrams and they would like write down. So a story that is built from things that they have done. Um, and it, it doesn't need to be cooking. It can be, so my older one, he does 
a lot about recipes, but my younger one, he loves cars. So he writes about cars and it's, it's just like find the one thing that they really, really enjoy and encourage them to write about it. Keep an eye out for Pop Smart Writes Cookbooks. <laughs> <laughs> what a great idea. And avoiding fatigue from online learning. I mean, apart from getting up and walking around the room and try not to throw your computer out the window, what, what's something that you can suggest? Right. Um, so, yes, absolutely. That's the one thing that comes to mind is definitely the, the, the getting up and walking around. But I think there is uh, not enough value that is given to doodling or finding something that will make us, it's, it's not so much as being distracted, but it's so much as like doing something mindlessly that you actually focus on what your teacher are saying on the, on the virtual platform. And I realized this uh, with my kids, like giving them something to doodle on the side. So they are, they have this, like a little drawing or painting or just just doodling, like doing something. And that keeps them focused. So if you have someone who, and it's, it's hard for kids, it's hard for adults, but I think it's really hard. It's harder for kids to stay focused on a virtual platform. So finding, um, and there are so many other ways, like there are this, um, and I can't remember their name right now, but they have these like the, the stress, po the pops that they do. Um, they keep popping and that's that's another good one. Doodle is a good one to find something that is secondary that kind of helps your brain to focus on the main thing. Oh, that's brilliant. Coloring in books, doodling. Uh, if you're an adult uh, or even if you're, I mean, excuse me, a child, uh, craft work. It's amazing how soothing just even uh, making something can be while you observe information that's absolutely brilliant thank you the power of the doodle and the power of the crayon yes a little bit more about online uh, online learning as you pointed out in your blog the year that was it was last year or the year before I think we learned that term zoom bombing has that happened much has that been a bit of a threat in the in the online world for children um a couple of times um but I think uh I think of it as, I know it gets very scary because it's a new platform, but it's almost like you are um, you are in a meeting room and somebody who has not been invited to the meeting room kind of opens the door of the conference room and jumps in. It definitely is different for adults. It gets scarier for kids because, you know, in a, in a classroom, you never have that um, scenario where a, a stranger would just like jump in and open the door of the classroom and like get in. Um, so it definitely gets scarier, but I think uh, with, and I say this, like having, always having a plan, right? I, just like be prepared, uh, hope for the best, but be prepared for the worst. So I think there is a plan like, um, all right, I, as a teacher, am running this virtual classroom. So I'll tell my kids, every single day at the beginning is like, if I see something that has gone wrong, I will close the Zoom and I will send an email or things like that. So the kids also know that something like this can happen. It's two ways. They, it prepares them for right then and there what to do when something like that happens. But it also prepares them kind of in a, in a way as to long-term learning. Oh, these things can happen. This is an online world. It can be a stranger that can barge into our virtual room. 
what do we do then? Having said that, in the um, in the entire 18 months that both my kids did online learning, it has only happened uh, once. For the camps that I ran, um, I used to be very careful about uh, not putting all of the information on the on the event um, selling platform. I used to have an email and just email out to the parents. So I did not come across something like that, but it does happen. But I think there is always like have, have a plan ready to go. Priyanka is uh, teaching you how to cross the road safely. That's mentoring again over monitoring. Priyanka does over uh, Pop Smart Kids offers incredible camps and workshops, story writing workshops uh, for kids. You can find out more about those on her website. I've kept you for quite a long time. The time has just flown because I've enjoyed talking to you so much. If I may keep you for just a couple more minutes, I'd just like to know about Thrive Global, and then I'd love to hear about the Dottie Rose Foundation. Absolutely. I um, I love writing, and uh, I, I did not grow up learning how to write. I was a speaker from a very young age, and my kind of, my journey into writing has been very organic, and um, I had to learn late in life how to write and how to write well. But uh, I would love to write more for Thrive Global. I just am kind of struggling with finding the time. The, the article, uh, articles that I write on Thrive Global, one of them, which is really near and dear to my heart again, is um, I talk about tech shaming. And it's almost comes from the idea of, um, you know, fat shaming. Like if, if someone is overweight, it's just, it's just what traditionally people think what's what's right and what's wrong but even if you're trying to lead a healthy lifestyle shaming someone to do it is not going to help anybody so I think a lot of the times there is tech shaming that happens my article in Thrive Global was actually sort of uh, in response to an article that came up in New York Times where there was a uh, there was this idea of how kids are being destroyed by technology. It's again, that narrative in media of fear mongering of kind of um, parents already have a difficult job in their hands of forget the technology world, just parents have in general, a difficult job of raising kids who are responsible citizens. And now you're adding on top of it, a technology layer, which parents have to navigate as well. And then you have media always sending out this narrative that, oh, technology is ruining everything. That does not help. So I, my idea was to actually bring awareness to the idea that tech shaming doesn't help anyone and how to really think about um, integrating technology into our lives because it is there. And a lot of the times, and then again, I hate the word just screen time as a bucket. I know that's how it is. Uh, referred to as, but I hate it because everything is screen time. Like I am having this wonderful conversation with you, Erin, and I'm so enjoying this. You're right, like time has flown by, but this is on a screen. How would you, how would you kind of categorize this? So I think it's time we start calling out like what kind of screen time is it? Is it educational? Because kids are also doing their homework on screens. Um, so that's, that's what the whole, uh, that's what my Articles on Thrive Global is about. Um, the other thing I'm really passionate about is STEM. And this again comes from my love of um, 
gender equity in STEM. I hate that there are so um, a few girls in STEM. And I think it's less of a pipeline issue and more of an issue of girls are not growing up seeing role models in STEM. So there are so many models in STEM. And even if there are, there is less exposure to girls in um, late middle school or high school when they're really forming those decisions about, oh, am I going to, and this is not against any particular field. Everyone should pick up where their zone of genius is in. But the data shows, uh, shows us that, the data show us that um, uh, girls who are really strong, interested and passionate about STEM fields steer away from it because they don't get that support. And of course we can go into a whole conversation that's a whole another hour, Erin, where I'm sure like all of us um, women listening to this will identify with us like at one point, at least one point in our lives, we have heard, oh, it's not for women, like this is different. Like, so we constantly hear that narrative in STEM. So the reason I joined uh, Daughter Rose Foundation as a board member is to really help uh, help women in STEM or young girls in STEM. So a lot of the work is just STEM camps and helping uh, kind of raising awareness for STEM fields. You can find the Dottie Rose Foundation at dottierosefoundation.org, uh, which uh, there's application for scholarships you can put on there. And, and basically it, it welcomes it welcomes uh, girls interested in STEM because the world needs more students with tech skills and it especially needs more women with tech skills. Speaking of women with tech skills, Priyanka is a strategist. She is a tech leader. And as I said, and she's an advisor as well, of course, being a keynote speaker. You can connect with her on LinkedIn. She has a very impressive portfolio. So do add her to your, your list of contacts for digital strategy and digital education. Priyanka, I feel that so many other subjects I could talk to you about, but I'm mindful of your time. Uh, thank you so much. This was delightful. I really appreciate the, your, the chance to get to know you a little bit better. Thank you so much for having me, Erin. I cannot believe that it's been close to an hour. I have enjoyed this conversation so much. And um, it's just been uh, super, super delightful. And I think we have to do this outside of uh, this conversation. We have to um, see each other again and, you know, continue this. It's, I'm, I'm so enjoying this. Oh, my goodness me. You mean in real life? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I miss hugs. I miss hugging women. It's a date. Priyanka, have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you for being in my life and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Same. Bye, Erin. Take care.